Luna, Delta, Echo. This is In Between Stations Radio broadcasting from Flagstaff, Arizona, USA. This is In Between Stations Radio on 3731 kHz in the 80-meter band from Flagstaff, Arizona, United States of America. This is In Between Stations Radio on 3731 kHz in the 80-meter band from Flagstaff, Arizona, United States of America. Good morning, or good evening, depending on what side of the world you're on. And the reason we say that at In Between Stations Radio is why, Murky? Because we smoke dope. <laughs> yeah, we, we like to think we're broadcasting to a worldwide audience of, what, Murky, five people? Actually, <laughs> 6.5 Libyan women. In the Sahara Desert. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a bit. We have a few more listeners than that. I think we sometimes get right up there to, I don't know, 300 listeners for every episode or more. Yeah, or a few more than that. Sometimes we get as many as a thousand listens a, a week. Yeah. I'm not sure where <laughs> all of them are coming from. We can, I can kind of, we can kind of go in there and look at the statistics. They're, they're a little confusing sometimes too. And that's lead, because it's so sophisticated. I, I, it just depends on what kind of program or, you know, who your server is and what you're looking at. The complexities abound. And that's what this, uh, this is what this broadcast is going to be about, I think, is complexities. Has modern life gotten so complex that we can no longer understand what it is? And I'm going to try and explain what that means. Can something get so sophisticated and so extremely complicated that we no longer have a handle on it? And um, having some coffee here. I switched brands. <laughs> yeah, because we don't advertise on, on the air here. I'll just say I'm not sure I really <laughs> like it. But it has reduced my coffee consumption. I was up there to one cup a day, and now I, and then I got up to four or five cups a day. And now with this new switch in uh, uh, coffee brands, um, I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> uh, the other one brand I, I, I had had a little bit of sugar in it, so it's kind of, you know, made it almost into a hot chocolate drink. <laughs> and there's been other times that I drank straight black coffee but there's so many choices now right just going to a place like starbucks and you got an infinite amount of choices you could spend an entire day i in fact i just got on the internet and looked at all the different types of coffee that starbucks has oh <laughs> there's a lot of different kinds so 
I had a dream last night. Interesting. And, you know, dreams can go in a lot of different directions. They can be problem-solving devices. They can be beautiful narrative devices. They can be imaginary. They can uh, challenge our ideas about reality and what reality is and consciousness is and not being conscious. And, uh, you know, you can turn on the TV and that's, that's kind of like dreams, you know. 300 years ago, you might have written about it or made a poem or talk, you know, go back to the Greek civilization. You might have had put on a play, did a story like the Odyssey. Now there's just thousands of digital channels. Uh, here we go again with the complexities. So uh, I, I just got a new uh, internet server because uh, the one I had before is not working very well. I had it for 13 years. And um, it just just didn't really... Can you hear the train? I always say that, right? <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to turn up my devices here in the station to see if you can actually hear the train. That I have to hear every 15 minutes, night or day. Talk about complexities. I could spend all day on the railroad and its complexities. I used to run these uh, these pathways between wilderness areas. The railroad's a good place to go because it's a good, straight shot. The roads run along railroad tracks; they're maintained, and so it's it's a good way. And, and then you don't have to run on the busy highways. You can follow the railroad out into in, into wilderness areas, and it is kind of like a branch off. And so I I used to enjoy with my dog Gunner uh, running the railroad to get into other smaller roads and then basically into wilderness areas. I could run clear out of town on the railroad, the service roads of the railroad, which has a long history in my life because I've been around roads, I think maybe all of us have for a long time. But you can no longer, I can no longer run on those service roads because of the railroad police, which I've had many encounters with, simply because there's so much going on the railroad now. There's a lot of uh, mil military security, uh, you can see bombs shipped. Sometimes even, I suspect, nuclear weapons go on the railroad um, just because the different train cars uh, and the ones that may be carrying nuclear devices are alarming. They're very strange, and they have a lot of uh, weird warnings on them. So a lot of, I'm just, a lot of, a lot of things come come on the railroad, and, they, and it's got it's got completely complex. And then trains have got longer. I've seen trains three miles long, uh, uh, carrying different sorts of things. And so when you run these, when I used to run these these uh, service roads along the railroad, the freight tra the freight train lines, there's a there's a, a little bit of time in between trains. I think it's about 15 minutes here in Flagstaff, which isn't much time. We have over a hundred trains go through in a good day sometimes or more and it's increased the the time is less the trains are longer and the, and also delays are longer uh, especially during uh, uh, the COVID problem uh, for the two years that COVID was just kind of out of control or whatever you want to call it um, it, you would get delays on the railroad, and and the, and the uh, trains were long. I, this is one of the first times I think I ever seen a train that was almost three miles long. So you have you have engines on the front, you have engines in the middle, and you have engines on the back of these huge long trains, and, and that's a long train, three miles, and that's a lot of that's a lot of stuff in there. And then along the interstate, which often follows the road, you have you have these huge lines of uh, trucks. 
you know, semis carrying the same things the trains are. But they have a few more problems because you have other types of traffic on the interstate, not just uh, trucks carrying cargo. And it's the same thing on the ocean. You have these huge uh, cargo ships, container ships as they're called. And that's, that's become incredibly complex. And all these things now are being run by computer systems. And that's where this is going. Uh, these loop programs, these algorithms, every company has its own program. And, you know, that's geared towards the company's goals. That's geared towards production. And a lot of times these engineers, these people that run these huge container ships, their lives are totally uh, controlled by computer programs. They don't even use their minds to make basic decisions because it's so complex now that, you know, your ship runs down the, the river or down the, you know, the lane in the ocean at a certain time and, and have a certain load. And, there's, you know, there's, and if you, you know, just look at the complexities of, of air traffic all over the world. I mean, it's amazing that it, it, it even works. There's just thousands and thousands of planes. And if you get on there and look at the tracking systems, it's, it's mind-boggling. I used to think when I was a kid that, you know, the old, uh, the old ant houses, you know, the, the, the ant colony with its, with its pile, you know, that's, it, was, it was incredibly complex. Because, you, know, you know, as a kid, you have time to sit there and watch ants do their things. And I've always been fascinated by ants. Complexities abound there as well. But I think what's going on now in our modern world makes that look like a, you know, as we say, a walk in the park. <laughs> which itself is complex. So this dream yeah. I had... As well as you having a bad case of pneumonia. <laughs> no, Murky, I'm... Yes, I have a cold. So do you, right? No, no, I don't. Should we go to a song? Yeah. Okay, let's go to a song. So, uh, what was that song, Murky? Oh, that was a little added music while we smoke. Our cute little hash. Reefer cigarettes. No, you're smoking pot, not well, me. Well, stupid. It was your idea in the first place. That's <laughs> your pot song. I was just having some more coffee, okay? Oh. Well then, thank you. Mr. Righteous. So, <laughs> we need to turn on a fan or something. It was a lovely Shut up, song, Murky. Thank you. Or I'm Thank going you. to kick your very big, fat ass. <laughs> you're the you're the one that's smoking the pot, not me. <laughs> oh man.
I didn't say Monday. It's gotta be Sunday. We're ready to go. So ta-ta, we're gonna go gaga. My baby loves gaga. She told me so. Yes, yes. My baby said yes, yes. I'm glad she said yes, yes. Instead of no, no. Welcome back. Did you enjoy that song? <laughs> or not? Are you asleep? Do you not care? Do you have a hundred different devices on? That's one of the things my old my old internet server, because I have a new one now, it's much faster and much better, was they asked me, because I, I finally figured out the problem myself uh, when I had a 
service person come and I followed him around and, and helped him out for the hour he was at my house. I wanted to troubleshoot and see is is the internet problem really my problem or is it a problem on the other end? So I followed him around and what I realized is the problem was theirs. You know, because I was being blamed for running too many devices, which I run usually one device, maybe two, if I'm in my house, my cell phone. But the problem is, is there was a, there's a booster station. You know, I'm like, I don't know the complexities of all this. There's a booster station that my server was using that hasn't really been modified since the 1970s. <laughs> the lines, the line I get in Flagstaff, I get my, I don't have, you know, this high fiber optic internet. Not here in Flagstaff, Arizona. Mine was running through copper, 1965 copper phone lines. And so you know, the service guy from my company brought all his complex tools and his, even his computer. And, and I went with him. We tapped it on the line to see, is this line that runs into my computer and then out of my computer to the booster station? <laughs> is it clear? Oh, man. It just, anyway, it was clear, but there was a lot of other problems along the line. And the more I talked to this guy, the more complex the situation became with getting the internet. And, um, and, and, and calling up my server, uh, in, I guess, in, in uh, Los Angeles. And then, hey, everything's working on our end. It must be you. But the problem was, really the problem boiled down to is so complex because this company changes its servers constantly from Los Angeles to uh, Albuquerque to, to someplace in the Midwest to another place in New York City. And it's just, and you can see this when you get into the, when you get into the software and you really look at it when I was with a service person, you can see these switches taking place. And it's all running through this little shed buried in the snow we have three we had we had three and a half feet of snow now we have since a lot of it's melted a foot and a half but then there's a lot of water that came with that but this little service place is buried in the snow still <laughs> so there's all these irate customers i was one of them because you know i do a lot of my business on the internet and um Basically, the company didn't want to hear it, so they're blaming the customers. Well, it must be your device. It must be the way it's hooked up. They, they weren't accepting the blame, and then they didn't know what was going on because I talked to several different people, and then talking to the serviceman, who actually is from my hometown here in Flagstaff, and him just saying, hey, hey look, Dave, we, we really don't know what's going on. We can fix all this stuff. Now, even the 1965 phone lines. It might help if you put a new line in. But in some places in Flagstaff, we're still behind the times. But I don't even think that helps because this new server, I talked I talked to several people too before I made up my mind. And uh, they didn't know what's going on. They And they admitted, yeah, we change a lot. Of, we change the servers a lot. It depends on the landscape. It depends on how many trees are outside. It depends if you have an open window. It depends on if four ravens fly by and the signal bounces off the ravens. And, you know, it's just, and that's kind of what this is about, is the complexities are abounding in our world at a phenomenal, frightening rate.
And it seems like, you know, it used to be when I was in the Army, um, that was a big joke, is just complexities abound. You have so many, you, you have to fill out 25 different forms to just get a, a, a flashlight battery in the military. <laughs> that was one of the things, if you're an NCO and uh, a non-commissioned officer, and you're in charge of a platoon or a unit, that's one of the tasks you had to do, is trying to read all these orders, filling out all these forms to get the things you need for your platoon. And if you're a medic, especially, that's important. Uh, and so, yeah, the 10-4-3-5-6, you know, I don't, if, you, if, you have, if you do anything with the government, you know about filling out forms. The complexities are just ridiculous. 25 different forms to get some simple object in a warehouse. And that was really long before even computers were really around. And, and, and I, I think I want to say here is I think maybe computers have made it the, the process even more complex. Have we gotten to the point now that we really don't know what's going on anymore? That the computer programs that are running the show, you know, so you can go on more vacations. So you can be in your tent there on your computer in the wilderness area. And, and you can enjoy the sound of the birds and the wind and the trees. And still on your computer in your tent, you can do all these things you have to do on the stock market. And, you know, emailing employees, you know, I'm going to spend the next three hours doing this and then we can go on for a hike. You know, really what's happening is you, is you can't really get away from your job. You carry it with you. I'm going to work at home. Well, I have two or three friends that work at home. That's their business. And I think what seemed like a really good thing, you know, one of my friends, she has a couple of kids and uh, she works in her house. She never leaves her house. <laughs> she has her groceries delivered. She has all these things done for her. And, and uh, I think she even has a service picker kids at school. <laughs> She's basically plugged into her computer. And even if she goes on an outing somewhere, she takes her little laptop with her or her cell phone and she's connected up wherever she goes. Yeah, the complexities abound. Can can we actually get away from can we get away from these sort of things? Or is it becoming a nightmare that uh is is just gonna spell the end of the world. In fact, that's what I. That's one of the jokes I entertain myself about the Ukrainian war, and it's not a joke. I mean, in terms of the, of the violence and the atrocities committed, I don't want to make that. But the joke is being, that both sides don't. And there is two sides here. There's the United States and there's Russia. And it's always been that way since the end of World War II. Yeah, you can throw China in there. And you can throw North Korea and a few other people in, but really it ends up being the United States and Russia as usual. And I think the complexities now are just very obvious. We, you know, we don't know what's going on. We send all these arms into Ukraine. We escalate the situation. Russia, you know, has all these complexities of what they're going to do. And it's, it basically boils down to East and the West against each other. And, and, hey, we want you to be a member of NATO. No, we don't want you to be a member of NATO. I think if the Russians were in Mexico, we'd be a little nervous. We'd probably be having a war, too, with Mexico in the middle especially if the Russians were knocking on our doorstep. And that's kind of what we're doing, is we're knocking on the doorstep through Ukraine. And, uh, hey, if we can get Ukraine, we're just that one step closer to getting Russia. You know, and I, and I think it makes... I, I think there's a... I think that there's the basic situation. It's Russia against the United States, with Ukraine in the middle. It's an awful way 
to play a game that kills a lot of people, and I've been in a war. I kind of know how the innocent suffer, how the people in the middle are made to bear the burden of the war on behalf of these two extreme powers. But the complexities is, I think, I actually get this feeling, and this is, what, this is where I think's humors, is it's computer programs that's trying to negotiate the peace here, not human beings. That you don't get up, you know, that was one of the things, you can complain about Trump, but at least he got on the phone and called up, <laughs> I don't know, you know, I don't know who the translator was, but they, they're, at least you, it's an in-person call, and I think Trump admitted to that a few times, that he actually had phone conversations with Putin, direct ones, and I think the complexities, though, basically are that it's computer programs now that are trying to negotiate peace. It's not living individuals. You know, where's the Henry Kissinger? Where's the person that flies over to Russia or a Russian flies to the United States and let's negotiate, let's talk this out? But the complexity, but it's so complex of a situation now that I get the feeling it's two different computers talking to each other. We don't even have human beings involved anymore. Sort of like the nuclear situation. If you fire a, a, a nuclear warhead, then we're going to fire one. It's, it's a computer program, even in the 1970s, that was very complex. It's thousands of times more complex now. So, back to this dream. It's a, a, a friend I have, and we're having an argument. And I, I don't even remember anymore what the argument was about. I, I think what it was is... is he was upset about a situation that someone had done something in my family to somebody in his family. And he was upset about it. And so we sat down and had this argument. And it just got more and more complex. I swear to God, the dream lasted the entire night. To the point we no longer remembered what we were arguing about other than one, one of us wanted to win. One of us wanted to be right. And so it just got more and more complex. And both of us, you know, were educated in arguments, so we had, we had different strategies. And when, if you want to get, you get into these dialogues with Plato, Socrates, the complexities abound there as well. Uh, uh, in the court of law, attorneys against each other, the complexities. You know, if, if it gets too sophisticated, then you can, you can get away with a lot of things. An innocent person can go to, to the electric chair we know this. If the complexities of the argument are good enough, we can take apart a simple person's life that can't that that is that can't support themselves in a court of law or don't have an attorney like the ones that know how to make these complexities abound. So even in the best of circumstances, you're going to have the complexities. That's just how it goes. As things evolve, they seem to get more complex. But my point I'm going to make here is, has the technology we have become so sophisticated that it's made the situation, you know, with, with computers and artificial intelligence, has it made the situation a lot worse, a lot more complex? In fact, so complex that we can't handle it anymore. All these emails, all these phone calls, and, and, and that's, this is not counting the, uh, the, the calls. That it's not a human being calling you up. I, I pointed this out before. I, I think about a month ago, I deleted 16,000 emails. 16,000 from I don't know who. There, I was like, wow, my account's really full here. What's going on? So I look in the place in my email where these ads come in 
from uh, places you've browsed on the internet. You listen to a YouTube video or something, and all of a sudden you have thousands of ads from people. I have no. It, it's you know they follow around your 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 likes and dislikes and political affiliations. This this stuff tracks you and follows you, and so. What should be one or two emails ends up being thousands. Yeah, 16,000 emails. And it's the same thing on my cell phone. Even though I have filters on there, keep a lot of that. I still will say half of my calls are from are, are from uh, unknown sources, political sources, uh, corporations, uh, people posing. Uh, you're going to win the sweepstakes or, or, or you're going... There's something we can do for you that will improve things, that that kind of thing. And, I, and everybody gets these. So uh, the complexities have went from the normal situation, which is bad enough, to a hundred times, thousand times worse because of looped algorithms and simulated supposedly artificial intelligence that sends you these things. That just it just all day long. There's not a human being there. It's just a program's catching on to pieces of your conversation, uh, your text, your uh, your searches on the internet. Hey, long-winded. <laughs> it's break time. Okay, so we're going to go to to a break. Right, right, Murky? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ford Motor Company switches to Autolite. Ford Falcon. Ford Galaxy. Ford Thunderbird. Mercury Comet. Mercury Monterey and Lincoln Continental now specify Autolite spark plugs as standard equipment. They specify Autolite Power Tip, the first spark plug that cleans itself while you drive. It reaches deep into the intense heat of your engine. Lead deposits are burned off. It actually cleans itself while you drive. You get all the power and economy your car was made to deliver. Whatever make or model car you own, there's a set of Autolite Power Tip spark plugs, ignition engineered to power it properly. The spark plug selected by the Ford Motor Company for every car it builds. No matter what make of car you own, next time you need new spark plugs, ask for them by name. Autolite.
Okay David, 1, 2, 3. Go ahead, we're back on the air now. I mean, here's here's another point uh, that's part of this, uh, this, this, this broadcast is new things are great, new technology is amazing. But what happens when we get too much of it, when it's being pushed on us? Uh, and I think you can look at anything like that. And when, it, when, when uh, super, what I call super capitalism gets a hold of it, corporations get a hold of it, uh, and everything is about money, courting the, the consumer, getting them to buy more and more. And, and, and so things like Facebook, which initially, and I was one of the, I think, early pioneer people, pioneering people on Facebook years ago, it was a fascinating technology. It really revolutionized the whole uh, concept of social media. But as soon as it started going commercial, there was a whole there was a whole group of us all over the world of artists that were using Facebook and uh, um, the, as we call it now, the selfie, the profile. We were painters. We were artists, and so we were using this to take the the journal and the self introspective way that an artist looks at their own face, like Van Gogh, um, it, where it's not always representational, looking exactly like it looks, but you're using the creative ability to express emotions through the face. Uh, to, you know, and I have a, one friend, a close friend of mine in South Africa, she used it as a, as a personal journal. So she was a well-known artist in Johannesburg, a painter chiefly on large canvases, a group of... of of artistic thinkers that always were pushing uh, the envelope, pushing things towards a, a different direction and style. So she started to use Facebook, and we had a lot of conversations because both of us kind of independently started this, and then through dialogues, we started to initiate this feeling process. What can you do with digital art? How far can you take it before it leaves your, your own creative processes and something else takes over like like the computer like like now artificial intelligence but so it was largely hand done um and, and we just used the computer photoshop and other, now photoshop i've pointed out is a very complex program an illustrator uh you, you've got to know what you're doing so people are saying well that's photoshop it's like well i don't know it's done by some kind of a app on on, on your cell phone you're not doing it with you know because photoshop's paint tools you, if you're not creative, you don't know how to use it, you, you can't make shit. <laughs> Unless some program does it for you. So we were using tools like Photoshop and Illustrator, and mostly by hand, actually, and filters that we'd handmade, glass filters. And so the process was hand-designed. And, and it, was, it was innovative because we was talking about consciousness, unconsciousness, dreams, uh, when, you're have, when you're sad, when you're happy, uh, Time is a dimension, a multi, uh, a multi aspect of time in the fourth dimension. What, it, what, what does a portrait look like? Similar to Cubism and Picasso. That's what he did with Cubism was you're moving around the, the model. The artist is moving around the model. You're not just sitting there in one, one position, but you're moving around that, the model constantly. So we were doing things like that to see what could we use Facebook for. Uh, and there was a whole group of us doing this. And uh, I come up with this, this, con this character, D uh, David Asleep, uh, on Facebook. And David Asleep, was, he didn't have a gender. She didn't have a gender. And, and, and no face. That was the rule in the beginning, was you didn't use your own face. 
And so it was this real interesting endeavor to see how people responded to you in the chat room, how they responded to you before Messenger. Um, there was a lot of dialogues about the piece of art. This is before there was a lot of generative AI software doing things for you where you could just sit back and chew gum and watch TV and push a button and it would do everything for you. This is manually done stuff. And uh, there was a lot of, there was a few of us that did this. And so our Facebook's got a lot of hits and nobody ever used hearts. You never really, it, it, you only got a heart rarely, even really good stuff. It was just a like process. And it was really an interesting, we were exploring psychologically dreams and uh, there wasn't any politics at the time, hardly any. Uh, and that's you know, before Facebook got out of control and got too commercial. It was a really amazing thing. And this is where this is going. So, right. And so what's happened is you get these programmers, uh, these computer programmers that take the ingenuity of, of artists like I and, 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 and Letitia, that's her name, use the things that we come up with and get the software to do it instantly for you. You don't have to do anything. You can just look at a few pictures and push a button and it's done. And so the creative process is affected by that. And so you're getting now with, with artificial intelligence, which, which is pretty amazing, uh, it, it can do all these things for you without making the slightest bit of effort. And of course, now they have software that knows if it's generated by AI. You can't just write a text and have AI do it. Uh, and, and, and it can do it, believe me. <laughs> we'll talk more about that. Uh, there's software now that will legit legitimize that and software now that can figure out is that person real or not are they generated by uh, artificial intelligence software and that was my whole thing too was designing a character and, and Letitia was part of this can we design a, t a character that looks so real that you can't tell and give them a personality and have them talk and it, it took a lot of work because there's no, no there's no artificial intelligence software helping you can you act? And so my challenge was to design a person 360 degrees through my own artistic endeavors that looked real and had a personality. It was part of a novel that I'm writing. Uh, and so it, it, it was part of the premise of a book, and it's now almost done. And we're, it was amazing what we could do. Well, computer programmers grab that. And can we make it easy? Can we do all these? It took you four days to do that piece. Can we do that like in, in three minutes? Yeah. You can, and you can do amazing stuff with that. And I started to experiment with artificial intelligence, designing graphics and designing art. It's, 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 it's very amazing. So, um, and what, what's going on here? Uh, are we going to just get so super lazy that we don't do anything? And, and then it just gets boring because you're not doing anything. You have all these apps that's helping you, and you're, not, you, you're losing your, your self-independence, your creativity. Or, or can it, you know, in its extreme, it's just, it's dangerous. I mean, or can it really take us in, in marvelous directions? And that gets into this whole thing about computers and humans. And Ray Kurzweil's uh, The Singularity, which isn't just his concept. It's a lot of these software designers that uh, are designing artificial intelligence. And what the singularity is, um, is... Computers will increase to the point that they will surpass human intelligence. And uh, in Ray Kurzweil's prediction, that will happen in 2045. And he, this guy, a lot of his predictions come true. At that time, they'll be a million times, I think, faster than they are now. Uh, and then human intelligence combined with 
the artificial intelligence will, and maybe that's what it is, will increase a millionfold. That, that's mind-blowing. This is exponentially done with mathematics. I mean, this is pretty predictable. And now people are saying we're arriving even quicker than that, and that we may already be there. So ChatGPT, which was originally developed by Google's artificial intelligence department, it's, it's, it's kind of this chatbot that learns. It's, it's artificial intelligence. And I think that GPT, as I said, stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer that works on a neural network. So it's learning. And, and, it's, and it's amazing. I don't know if you, you can get in this website pretty easy. I was there last night. I and my daughter were online. She's pretty cool. We are talking about what you can do with it. We talked about artificial intelligence designing uh, art. There's all kinds of programs now where the computer will design, either take your own art and put it in there and then update it. It'll digitally um, design these amazing pieces of art. The neural network has learned. And so that combined with this chatbot, with this... Uh, it, you can ask all kinds of amazing questions. It can take you in a very good direction or a very bad direction. Because uh, there's no... It, I, I think there's moral... There's sort of a moralistic installation in the software. It won't take you too far. But I've had friends get into the... Accidentally, it'll throw pornographic things in there. And it'll throw darker... Uh, darker roads of the internet in there. But it learns very quickly, and it's pretty amazing. You should, you should try that, chat GPT, because uh, that's going to be where our, where our search engines are probably going. Right now, uh, Google and uh, Microsoft are kind of in a battle with each other, because Microsoft took the Google technology and developed their own sort of... I think they actually used chat GPT. I don't know how that happened. And then Google came up with BARD, which is their generative pre-trained transformer on the neural network. <laughs> you see, when these corporations get a hold of this one, and it, it, this wonderful technology, warp things start to happen because people want to spend money and they want to make money. And that's, that, that's, this, that's the problem I'm, I'm saying here. Is it's, it's, it can be a really wonderful technology and creative like Facebook was in the beginning, like... Uh, early computers and getting on that, that beautiful time when you could get on the on the web and you had to know unix combinations to get in there and you had to really know what you're doing and you could make your own computer program now you know microsoft and, and, and apple have taken over that in such a way that all it does at night is update your software <laughs> even when you're uh, you know asleep and that that's what's happening with microsoft now with windows 11 is this chat GPT is being generated into everything, all Microsoft programs. And I don't know if that's good. Again, it's about buying things and updating things. And that's what I, what, what I think is you have super capitalism, American capitalism that has no morals. It just is always this competition. And now with computers doing the competition and the singularity coming into swing, it's powerful. You know, like missiles now these new hypersonic missiles will go five miles a second do we really need a missile to go that fast especially if it's carrying a nuclear warhead uh yeah and so that's that's one of the points here is something that's really good and you can learn from it it's a great educational process has another has a darker side and my and that's my point is it all too much that once corporations and marketing gets a hold of it uh, and the psychology of, you know, mass marketing and consumerism, 
how much can you manipulate somebody to buy some to get something they don't need? Do you always need a new cell phone? Do you always have to be connected up? Okay, so that's so let's go back into this. You know, having too much, but this is where something really good uh, to me is spelling this immense serious danger that we're just getting overwhelmed with so much information, with so many ads that we just can't handle it anymore. It's too much for our organic brain that's taken millions of years to evolve to this point in, in, in this very small amount of time now. Computers have increased exponentially at such an extreme speed. I think we're losing hand on it. And that's what Kurzweil and these people don't really look at. They look at all the good things and then there's this real dark side and, and where it can go. And, you know, and we'll talk, I'll talk more about this, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein monster. Uh, it, it all seemed really good until you actually made it and it got a mind of its own. And then all kinds of unplanned, horrible things can happen. And I think when, when people get you to buy something, a new car, a new four-wheel drive, a new EV, uh, they give you all the good things and not all the things that aren't that good. You know, now it's turning out that charging your EV vehicle will be as much as, as, as expensive as gas. There won't be any advantage between own, owning a gas vehicle and EV gas vi vehicle in terms of cost. In terms of you have to recharge that vehicle. There's going to be a charge on how, how, how much and how extensive the recharge is. So in, in these, these marketing schemes jump in and they capitalize on this. Yeah, you might not be polluting the environment, but you have this huge battery in your vehicle that makes it five to ten times more heavy than a gas vehicle. And what do you do with that battery when it burns out? What about these horrible fires you have when you have these crashes with these electric vehicles? There's all these things we need to think about. And when, we're, when you're courted by a, by a company, they're going to give you all the good stuff and you're going to buy it. You know, new things are wonderful. Uh, and, they're very, and they can be very creative or just the opposite, very uncreative, where you don't do anything. It does everything for you. And that's going to be my point is these new technologies like... Before there was Windows, I uh, used Unix to get on the internet. It was a challenge to get into a server and to get information. It was a very, it was a creative challenge. I remember I made, oh, this is back in 92 or 93. I actually designed my own sort of Windows program with Unix, where I, you know, as an artist, I designed these little pictures that would take, and I'd use those as a, as, that covered the, uh, the Unix text you, <clears throat> you used to have to put into these uh, computers to get on a website, like the weather server or any government server. You had to have a whole string of text that you would put into to the, to the computer when you're on the Internet, the web, as it was called then. So I designed these uh, little pieces of art that uh, would tell you, hey, this is, this is the weather site. So I make a cloud and rain. And, you know, I, I made that. I made that in this sort of dot matrix system. I made all these... It, it really, I really used my creativity, and, and I designed a Windows-like program before the first Windows came out. Uh, and then Windows did all that for you, or, or it was very easily done, in, in, in a much better way than the way I was doing it. And then you sort of had Windows, and you had Apple. These are all wonderful technologies in the beginning. But as, as this term, when I say super capitalism, is, it's all about making money. It's all about having a better year. It's all about pushing something on the consumer they don't necessarily need, which is one of my big arguments with cell phones. Do we need to be connected up with a cell phone 
Uh, and, and does it need to be with us wherever we go? And I, I don't think so. Of art, but it became a political thing all over the world. There were little mini rev revolutions that happened in countries because of Facebook. Uh, and politicians started to use it. And you started to court the medium and it became less of a less of an artistic medium, so a lot of us got turned off by that. And this is what happens even with TV in the early days with UHF and underground TV in New York City and Los Angeles. Amazing medium. And, and, and then the first cable channel, like the Ted Turner Broadcasting Network, which we used to, I remember me and my stepdad, who was a salesman, he used to rent us a, a, a motel room that had cable TV so you could watch the Turner Broadcasting Network which had all these old movies, which were really hard to get. You, when I grew up, you had three channels, NBC, ABC, and CBS. And they didn't always play all the old movies. You had all these ads in there, and you had these sitcom shows, but there were three basic networks. And to get the Turner Broadcasting Network was simply amazing. And he would colorize these old movies, which we thought was kind of cool in the beginning. I'm not so sure that's a big deal now, because the black and white medium is pretty amazing. But you could get rent, rent your motel room, get a pizza, and you could watch cable TV. Cable. <laughs> and you get the American Movie Channel. And you could watch these movies all day and all night long. They ran. And then you started getting 24-hour news, which was pretty cool. Now look what's happened. We have thousands, literally thousands of digital channels. And you, have, and you went from paying a very minimal fee for cable TV to now... I have a friend, and I'll, you know, I'll mention this later on in the broadcast, that pays $200 a month for her, her digital channels on TV. <laughs> yeah. So, and, then, and, and now this new thing, uh, which... So the technology is amazing until we get a hold of it. I think that's a, a similar problem with these new headlights. Um, they just get brighter and brighter. Uh, and I talked about this in a previous episode where I found... Uh, this flashlight, when I was when I was running in the wilderness, this this brand new I didn't even know it was a flashlight. It was just a cyborg looking tool, <laughs> sitting in the tall grass, off the trail up in the mountains. It was towards sunset, so I picked it up and I was like, "Hey, it has a button. Is this a f what is this light? A flashlight?" And I switched it on. Oh my God! I'd never seen anything so bright. I mean, the luminosity was out of this world. It was so bright, I had to turn it off. It actually kind of temporarily blinded me. Because, you know, I'm almost... I mean, it's getting dark. And I went home and looked up this new flashlight that I found. It was the world's brightest flashlight. I think at that time, I had a, basically, you can see something two miles away. It was brighter than anything we had when I was in the military. $300, something like that. I don't remember anymore. Pretty amazing stuff. Except my thing in, in, in wilderness is using the natural light. I never use a flashlight at nighttime. I never use, when I run or I'm hiking. So, um, right. And, and so the lights get brighter and brighter. And, and for no reason other than, hey, who's going to have the brightest lights? Who's going to have the biggest four-wheel drive? Who's going to have the fastest uh, EV vehicle? And, and, and speed's not going to get you anywhere. Brightness is not going to get you anywhere. So you lose your ability to, lose your, to use your night vision. Yes, I know about night vision goggles. I know about night vision apparatus, uh, heat sensing software. We had these in the military. What you have now in the commercial market, we had in the military in the 1990s. <laughs> so it, you think it's new. It's not that new. 
In fact, the stuff the military is using now will blow you away. And it's not in the commercial market, as much as YouTube videos want to tell you. Now, I have friends in special forces, special ops. I know what the military has, and uh, it's not commercial yet. So you think you have something great, it's, it's, it's even more mind-blowing. And that's where I'm going here, is when you get commercial entities that get a hold of this marvelous technology, and the government gets a hold of it, weird things start to happen to the technology. And uh, Microsoft has this supposed new artificial intelligence, basically, that will track you and lead you off into, into directions that aren't the information's faults uh the it's or it's 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 doctored you know what like what i do as an editor when i'm doing documentaries or making a a piece for somebody or a company i have to doctor things that suit their uh, agendas that suit their commercial pursuits their company goals you're developing a new kind of artificial intelligence that won't lead you into this into what you're looking for directly it'll indirectly take you to these other places that have sort of what you're looking for not really to get you to buy something to get you off uh your train of thought <laughs> it crashes off the tracks into hey oh yeah i want to read this article maybe I, and then you forget about what you're doing or hey maybe i want to buy this or maybe i don't want to even look at this stupid thing it's wasted five minutes of my time like that so the, what, what, what once was complex is a lot more complex. In fact, we can't even, you can't even search for something now with having a hundred different things that don't have anything to do with your search. <laughs> and especially if that company is paying more. You know what I mean? Complexities abound. You don't know what to do. In fact, our attention span has become so, so awful that it's hard to even watch a movie all the way through. Maybe not for you, but I think for me and a few of my friends, it is. Uh, and um, I don't know. How many more digital TV stations, digital channels can we get? I know on my Roku now, I have... And I don't even pay for the big stuff. That was one of the things that my new... My new internet server offered me was this year, this free year subscription to Paramount Network. <laughs> Plus. Plus is you get all these other channels. And you, <laughs> and, and each channel has all their other channels. And, and, and not only that, you can get the app. And it will show you which channel is best for you. <laughs> Complexities abound and is it getting to be a nightmare where nobody knows what's going on and and i think you could see that if you have a if you have a problem and you call somebody up like t-mobile who are you going to talk to will somebody actually be able to troubleshoot your problem or will they just keep putting you on hold and getting you to somebody else and will, and how good will their excuse be that they're not really going to solve your problem they're just going to make you feel good and then by the time you you know Hey, hey, Murky, do we have a song about complexities? Well, let's see here. We do? Yeah. Here's one. <laughs> but let's throw a weird commercial in there first of all. All right, let's go to a song. This flat tire needs a man. But when there's no man around...
there's no man around, Goodyear should be. Why? Watch this. New Goodyear Double Eagle carries its own spare inside. Lifeguard safety spare. A tire in a tire. Keeps on going. Next time, give her a second chance. That commercial is fucked. Because hey. it always ends up being me that gives the man a second chance. Yet, because his double-treaded, high-speed tire ends up getting a major flat on the big highway of our motel mattress bed. And that he can't seem to perform beyond the two-minute time range. So I switch off the lamp, roll over and go back to sleep, unwilling to even yawn. But I am willing oh to give Mr. Goodyear the credit for making the first second-rate condom in the world, that cheap downtown stuff that suddenly wakes up a surprised wife in the middle of the night with the Goodyear Winter Deluxe Highway Special. <laughs> Only to find out, two months later while doing the dishes. Yep, I'm going to have a new baby named George. <laughs> yeah. So much for men helping women out with flat tires. Whatever. Oh, Murky, <laughs> I thought we were going to play a busy computer song thing. Yep, <laughs> I am, right now. Now you're going to play it? Okay, let's go to a song. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get complaints and emails about that one. You don't care? <laughs> okay, let's go to a song. Wow, look! I'm a computer. I'm a computer guy. Everything made out of buttons and wires I'd like to show you. Inside my digital life. Inside my mind there is a digital mind. Oh, maybe you could help us answer this question. What is the biggest Never. thing? I'm very clever guy Whoa. Count to a fifty in the blink of my eye And print a picture And then I tell you the time Help you to find something you're wanting to find No, it's easy to be a clever smart boy like me If you could do it all digitally Wow, I'd like to be as smart as a computer Actually, we already have a computer. Great, great news! Now, before we begin our journey, I just need to get some information from you. What's your name? Where do you live? What do you like to eat? I live in my house! Spaghetti! Well, my name is... Great news! Now just a few more questions, and we'll be on our way! Wait a second... What's your favourite colour? Do you like cows or goat's milk? Be quiet. Do you have brown hair? What is your blood type? Are you allergic Shut to... Shut up! Don't touch me! What? Digital home, everything made out of numbers and code. Wow, we're all computery. Oh yeah, wow, 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 because of the computer. I don't get it. 
How can it be? If I'm sitting at home, but I'm inside the screen. But you're not you. You're your digital you. Virtually real, but controlled by real you. But if he's not quite real, then I'm not real too. And you're not real you. He's inside your real you. Oh wow, how amazing and interesting too. But in this digital world, what can we do? What can we do? Hey, good question. Well, it's up to you. In the digital world, there's over three things to do. Wow, look at pie chart. Digital style. Do a digital dancing. Hey, this is fun. Wow, look at bar graph. Digital style. Do a digital dancing. Hey, this is fun. Wow, look at line graph. Digital style. Do a digital dancing. Hey, this is fun. Wow, look at oblong. Digital style. Do a digital dancing. Hey, this is fun. That's just slightly irritating. So, you're irritating as well. <laughs> I'm irritating. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, Alan Turing, an incredible genius with a horribly tragic life. Um, I don't need to go into that, but if you want to look up a tragic figure, look up Alan Turing. But he's famous, skipping all the history. <laughs> we could do a whole show on Alan Turing. He's famous for what's called the Turing test. And basically, uh, it's, it's, can we make a machine that can mimic human behavior, can mimic the human mind? And, and, and can it be so good that we can't tell the difference? I know there's a, you, you could sit here and talk about other things in the Alan Turing test, but basically, can the machine mimic the human being? You know, the Frank, can Frankenstein, can Dr. Frankenstein make another Dr. Frankenstein that looks just like him and thinks like him? Uh, and, and, you, and you can't tell the difference. You know, it's, I, I, I finally made, I've made another human. We don't need God anymore. Or we don't need a creator. Man is the creator. And so can he make a machine that's so like him you can't tell the difference? You know, which brings up another dream that I've talked about in previous episodes where I have this beautiful, I, 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 I can't figure out if she's my wife or my girlfriend, but we have this beautiful life uh, inside this, this very modern Blade Runner-like apartment with all these conveniences and, you know, we're having coffee and we're watching TV, we're making love, we're talking about interest we have in each other you know when you're really in love with somebody especially initially that's all you think about is each other you know you get up you drink coffee you have a breakfast you go out and eat uh and, and all there is is just you and her her and you or whatever your gender preference is you're you're obsessed with that person you know and that's what you and those are the initial stages and then in this dream lies in the initial ro stages of romance so we're obsessed with each other. And, and she, for all uh, intents and purposes, she's the perfect woman. And, and, I, and so I'm not going to go through the whole narrative of the dream. And I had this back in the... I had it before I got, got married to... Got married. So it's pretty early on. Before, even before there were computers. I think even before I seen the movie Blade Runner. So it's like early 80s, late 70s. Anyway, we're in this apartment... Uh, you know, as as lovers do, you know, we were in bed. It's 
you're making love, kissing, you know, all the, all, the, all the things that you do when you're in love with somebody, you know. It's just, oh, there can't be anything better than this. And I just remember thinking, this is, this is the perfect, I don't need anybody else. I have everything I need right here in this person. And, and so she has, she's, her head's on the pillow, my head's on the pillow, and we're talking to each other. And um, I, I'm going to give her another kiss. We've been kissing for a long time. As it <laughs> so I give her a nice kiss. And I can't remember if I, if I put my hands in her hair, you know, to, to gently to, to hold the back of her head as I kissed her, and to look in her eyes, tell her how much I love her. Uh, and she's telling me how much she loves me. Uh, and, and her head falls off. <laughs> it it, it falls, and, and I just, I freak out. There's no blood, and there's all these wires coming out of her neck. And I'm like, oh my, and, and then, you know, she starts moving around in this very psychotic way, you know, uh, moving her arms and limbs really fast you know, uh, has a seizure or something. Anyway, that's kind of what thought with all these wires coming out of it. And, and I'm just like, oh my God, this isn't really a human being. This is a, this is a machine. I, I, this isn't the perfect woman. I, somebody, well, hey, I want my money back. <laughs> it is a lot darker than that, a lot more nightmarish than that. But that's basically the scenario. So the Turing test is like, can we make something that's so real you can't tell? Which is a real premise of a lot of science fiction movies, making the android. Have you seen Ex Machina? Yeah, you make something that's so real. You know, it's that, it's, again, it's that Frankenstein premise. Is the creation is a lot more real than you thought it would be, and, and guess what? It's going to kill you. And if it, it's not, if it doesn't kill you, it's going to kill your entire family because it's psychotic. You forgot to do a few things here. You know, that's that's the whole thing about the 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 chaos theory, and that's one. That's the second thing that Turing often people don't think about is when Turing's significant other died. Uh, you know, he was he was gay. Uh, it was a it was a horrible tragedy, and, and it just broke his heart. And he wanted to know where he went you know it's the, it's the death thing what happened to this person i'm in love with you know like when my my girlfriend just here three months ago tiva died when you're in love with somebody when they're your whole life and they're suddenly not there you want to know where the hell they went if if they did die what does that mean what what is the death process well i see this person again or, or is that the end of them? They'll never be there again. That was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. They're gone forever. Well, you don't want to think they're gone forever, especially if you're deeply in love with them. And that was kind of, if I remember right, that was the thing with Turing. So we come up with this amazing process of life. You know, life's a really complex process when, when you look at it. When you look at the chemistries, the biology, the DNA... Uh, if you believe in evolution, uh, if you look at all those processes, no matter how you look at it, a body is complex. Ask any doctor, any good surgeon. Ask them, why do they have to go to school for 10 years? And, 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 and why do you have to do an internship? Why do you, the body is a, is, it's, it's a lot more complex than a car. At least it used to be. <laughs> Cars are getting kind of complex, and that's where this, this, this is going. What Turing found out through looking at, I think, the um, 
Let's see, the chemical basis of morphogenesis. Is that right? I think. Don't I think look that's at me. The I have no idea. Name, and I'm not going name to of look that. it up. You either. don't know, Murky? No. <laughs> you don't want to look it up. <laughs> well, I hope I got that right. So basically, Turing looked at the complexities of um, stripes and spirals, like you know the way a zebra's skin is, or 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 the spots on a leopard a leopard skin, uh, or like my dog Gunner, the complexities of all those little black and white spots spots that he has on his fur. He looked at those complexities and he realized it's a, a very basic process that over time becomes more and more complex. If you look at the um, the morphology, if you look at the, the stripe patterns of some animals, for God's sakes, camouflage, camouflage breaks up body outline. And any good soldier, especially combat soldier, knows that the reason you have camouflage, the reason that um, the BDUs you have on have all that those patterns on there, I think they're even computer generated now, is to break up your body outline. Any good hunter knows if you put on, if you put the leaves and the foliage on top of yourself and you hide under the bush, the animal won't see you as well because it breaks up the body outline. What, what people forget sometimes is animals can smell too. So uh, you've got to, you, you got to work on that part of, uh, of the hunt as well. <laughs> but Basically, it breaks up body outline. So nature understands that. You know the predator thing. Predator, you, you got to have meat. You're hungry, so you chase an animal down. And the animal gets smarter over time, knowing, hey, you're going to chase me, and you're going to try to eat me. Well, i got to come up with certain strategies. Well, unconsciously, the, the body, through what evolution evolves and changes, so you have these patterns in your, on your skin. You know, if you're out there on the savanna running around where it's wide open, it helps to have these kind of patterns set up that kind of disturb the visual field. And if you're running, make it harder to see you in the grasslands, in the forest. And they're very complex patterns. So what Turing found out, and he only did this one little thing on biology, and it's, and it's based on grief, is, is how did life start out? How did these, this incredible complexity of life start out? And what he found out is it's a very, very basic, a very homogeneous process. It starts out from in a very simple way, and it gets in, increasingly more complex. So you have a very simple process in life, basic cell division. It starts out on, on a very low level and gets increasingly more complex. It's inherent in the, me in the mechanism. It gets more and more complex. And what I'm getting leading there is uh, our humans, as a human mind, become so complex and so diverse that we no longer understand the direction we're heading in anymore, especially being helped out by the singularity. The singularity being humans can be modified, human intelligence and human longevity in the body. <laughs> Just use the right science and take the right pills. Or genetically in a, in a laboratory, you can, you can take the DNA and you can modify things. And, and, and also me mechanically, not just organically, but mechanically as well. You're building the perfect man and doing it quite quickly without thinking of the consequences. <laughs> and that's where it's leading here, the consequences of these sort of things. You know, transhumanism, you can modify the human to live forever. You'll never die. That's one of the things that Ray Kurzweil is obsessed by, is living forever because of the tragedy, here we go with grief again, of his beloved father dying in an early age. 
It isn't based on a power urge. Kurzweil loved his father. And so he, his, his genius mind, you know, he created all these different programs that made music. And, uh, you know, Kurzweil is one of the, he's, he's kind of the Oppenheimer in some ways of computers. Or at least he can see them in a way most people can't. But he, he has a very hopeful view of this. I think he predicted, I was trying to remember, <laughs> trying to remember all this stuff. Oh, murky, here I go. I'm, I'm going to be wrong on this date, but in 2045, 2049, he predicted the singularity, where, where computers would surpass human intelligence. And, and, and humans combined with computers would increase their, their intelligence level a million times. That, that's a lot. We're not talking 10 times, 100 times, a million times what it is now. That computers, nanotechnology would increase. It's just with quantum computers now, the possibilities. You know, this whole thing I constantly talk about is speed. Do we really have to keep going faster and faster? And of course, the argument always by a lot of scientists is we can solve problems quicker. We can help mankind out. We can feed the starving people. We can make rocket ships can go 20 times the speed of light. But I think a lot of times what, what, what they don't mention is exponentially, whatever increases for good is gonna, has the potential to increase for evil as well and, and for destruction, if you don't want to use the word evil. Hey, big boy, it's time for a break. Okay, Mercury. <laughs> it's time for a nice break. Here we go. The magnificent Hammond organ can do almost anything. It can sound like a harp, like a banjo, like chimes, like a guitar, or exactly like what it is, an organ. It can bring years of happy, contented hours to you and your family. It can bring beauty to the room in which it's placed. Yes, the Hammond organ can do anything except play itself. That you must do, and we'll teach you how. Jim Scott's Hammond Organ and Piano Studios of Atlanta in Buckhead and Greenbrier. Hey, Murky, before we get back to our computer-gone-crazy world, <laughs> uh, what are you doing over there? Because every time I start <laughs> doing my part of the broadcast and you're not doing any programming, what are you doing with those headphones Listening on? to the shortwave radio, you stupid head. Yeah, that's what I thought so, because I've seen the frequencies changing. Hey, why don't you let, let our listeners tune into that what what you're doing right there, just just for a few minutes before we get back to the main part of our broadcast. Cool. Because I know you love shortwave radio like I do, and let's let them uh, show them what you're doing. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, let's let's do it. Hi. Well, I'm on the shortwave radio here, specifically on the lower 200 meter band, sometimes called the long wave frequency which was formally allocated to shortwave radio amateurs in 2007. I don't know if you can make this station out, but I'm at 153.06 kHz, possibly a jamming frequency being used by Russia or even the USA. But it's a very strange broadcast, I think you can hear a steam calliope track playing with what I believe is someone singing in French, the same phrase over and over for hours on end. Something I guess you could refer to, as a number station. Let's try and put a filter on it, so maybe we can hear it better. But as these jamming frequencies go, it may not work. 
Anyway, there you go with a bit of real, live mystery on the shortwave radio. It does as you know, get very interesting and odd on the frequencies here. Thanks. Wow, that, that was very interesting, Murky. You're on the shortwave radio a lot, a lot more than I am, and you really find some very strange, freaky, and cool stuff. And both you and I spend hours on there sometimes, just enjoying ourselves, and that's kind of how we started our friendship, along with um, Tiva. And Tiva used to like the shortwave too, huh? Yeah, so just to kind of re review where we've been going here the last uh, hour and 20 minutes is we've been talking about technology. Is is it too much? Um, are we getting... Has how Have we hit a wall with, with the technology, with all these cell phones, with all these emails, with with social media, with hundreds of digital channels with our employer constantly having us connected up to our jobs even when we're off you're getting phone calls and you're getting messages that are never let you let go of your work never let you let go of the internet or or the digital medium and has that gotten to be too much and we talked a little bit about um alan turing and the famous turing test if if can we make something that mimics the human mind? And it does it so well, we, we can't tell the difference. That's, that's the Turing test. We talked about the simplicity when, when Turing took his mathematical skills and his decoding skills and turned towards biology after the death of a friend. And he took simple cell mitosis and, show, and, and showed us how sophisticated it can get. How, how life is a very simple process that becomes increasingly complex. And we'll kind of cover that a little bit in the chaos theory and other things, that it, it keeps getting more and more complex or it just simply falls apart. There's unforeseen things in, this, in the equation we can't, we can't look at. The chaos makes it larger and larger until, until everything falls apart. So the, you know, those, are, those are two choices that chaos presents, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, things getting more and more complex and getting more until until at some point it crashes or it just keeps going and getting more and more complex. It doesn't stop. Can we, as naturally evolved human beings, organic Organic beings, you know, we get fooled sometimes that we're digital and we separate the mind from the body, which is another problem. We don't, we disregard our bodies uh, and we don't pay attention to how unhealthy we are, how long we've been sitting in a chair, how long we've been in a car, how long we've been watching TV, how long we've been connected to, to the internet, to our, to our employer, to the point that we don't know how to relax anymore. We can't go to sleep. So we're going over these processes, and it's basically, have we, come, have we finally hit a wall with the technology? Has it went too far where we can no longer grasp it? We can no longer pay attention. And that's, that's what the singularity is about. Have machines, earlier than we thought, earlier than Kurzweil's prediction of 2045, where machines would finally, AI would finally, artificial intelligence would surpass human intelligence. And that, and that in 2045, I think that's the date, 
that humans and machine uh, artificial intelligence would connect together to make to make intelligence a million times faster and more precise than it is now. What does that mean? What does it mean if it's directed in a dark way? If it's directed with 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 destructive intentions, that, that often scientists want to make us look at the good things as well as the is the corporation and the store and Amazon want us to look at these things as something that we need that really we might not need? Um, and have we as beings, is it starting to, to unravel and come apart? Can we no longer take it? Can, is, is texting too much? Is social media too much? Is there too much advertisement? Are there too many ads? Have we just, has, have we got to the point where we just, we look forward to going to sleep so we can turn all that off. Dave, we had a big solar flare yesterday, so our propagation is already starting to take a big swing down here on our shortwave frequency. So we might want to end things as quickly as we can. Oh, right, Murky, I, I remember that. Uh, yesterday on the 11th of February, there was a there was an X solar flare, which is the strongest type. And our sun's really acting up right now. And so we're getting, we're getting, uh, all kinds of results, especially in South America, and then we're, we're broadcasting our frequencies, and we're, we are having trouble uh, already. So uh, we're going to have to uh, sign off here. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, also, Murky's informing. When was that, Murky? There was a today. There was a big asteroid in Hungary that an astronomer recorded. And phenomenal. You should look at that on YouTube. There's a lot of stuff happening up there in the sky. And when you're on shortwave radio, you really know that because it's the propagation factors of how our signal passes through the ionosphere. And it's affected by lots of things. Uh, space weather is a big one, and especially our sun, which is in a, its very active phase right now. And who knows what's going to happen? So uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Dave. We we oh, have to okay. go. Okay, so we're, we're already uh, losing our signal. So we're going to end with a song here and uh, say goodnight to you folks. Hope you enjoyed this uh, this broadcast. And I and Murky love you, and we'll talk to you later. This is In Between Stations Radio from Flagstaff, Arizona, United States of America, signing off the air. I love you. Good night.